Welcome to Reactive. This is episode 70-something, because it's greater than 72 and not quite 100 yet. Um, but we've been doing this for a little while now. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Raquel Velas, and I'm here with Khalil Lehels. Hello. 76, it Hello. is. Hello. 76. <clears throat> 76. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 76 reminds me of 1776, the... <laughs> year when America proclaimed its independence, and yesterday there were fireworks to celebrate it and stuff. Wow, what a coincidence. So, happy, happy, uh, happy patriotic, or attempt to be patriotic despite current, current events day uh, mm-hmm. to all my fellow Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> sadly, happy, we happy, do happy. not have a... Yeah. Uh, we don't have a Henning this week. He's, like, on vacation or something. Ah, yes. That's what um, he said, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, in his stead, I have some fun facts about everyone's favorite fish, the salmon. Mm. Why? I don't know. But, you know. Um, but anyway, did you know that there are six species of Pacific salmon... And only one Atlantic species. Uh, nope. I There's only know. one Atlantic salmon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the largest salmon caught is 126 pounds. Which is just... Um, let's see... They um they do not eat when they are when they're migrating upstream. So like all the energy that they use to like so like when they want to spawn, right? When they ha- when I have like when they want to lay their eggs and stuff, they go upstream. Um and when they the energy required to do that comes from their stored body fat and they can travel up to 3500 miles which uh is a lot of my it's a lot of kilometers uh, <laughs> it is <laughs> is 5,632 kilometers um, that oh, wow. is a lot of kilometers it is. to travel uh, to travel to go lay some eggs so yeah. yes yes and did you know that the salmon is delicious you know I did know that <laughs> Salmon is actually my favorite fish. Yeah. I used to not, I used to only eat two types of fish growing up because I was just so picky. Um, salmon was one of them. And the other one is what I lovingly refer to as fish stick fish. Cause it's the fish in the fish sticks. Mm-hmm. I was willing to eat fish sticks, but not actual fish. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. But I've, I've since, I've since grown out of that. But when I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. oh goodness anyway so yeah so what's going on this week yeah what's going on i mean uh honestly not that much um for mm. for me but i saw that 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 there was uh some interesting topics there was some oh there was some npm uh stuff that was going on with uh security issues what's uh what was that about What's that about? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we have a security researcher who's been working with us, um, 
who, as far as I can tell, um, they are really like they really care about the NPM community and they really care about security. And so they reached out to us and they were like, hey, we really um, like I'm going to basically hack into your system and I'm going to like let you know if I find anything. So it's, so this person is totally a friendly mm-hmm. um, um, and has helped us immensely mm-hmm. because they've found a whole bunch of holes in our security and have been talking to us for months, probably even over a year at this point. Um, and so recently found, um, found a, a few security holes in the sense of um, they went through kind of, we, we talked about this on the show in the past. Um, there's a, a few websites that you can go and you can check to see if your, if your passwords, if your accounts have been hacked. Mm-hmm. And if so, if your passwords are online or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so what this person has done is they've gone through and found all of these passwords and then ran those passwords against the NPM registry and was able to hack into people's accounts because they didn't change their password. Like they had the same password in their NPM account as in other accounts. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, well, we hacked into your account, so that was probably bad. Let's go ahead and reset the password. Um, and so that's what we've been doing is we've been going through and resetting people's credentials um, just to kind of encourage people to really think seriously about your security and your accounts. And um, so a lot of people may have gotten emails recently along the lines of, hey, your credentials have been um, have been reset. Uh, this is due to the fact that we had a, a security research a security researcher. Um, was able to determine your password. And so we've reset it so that, um, you don't have your password hanging out in the middle of the world somewhere, um, where other people can have access to it. But really ultimately this is, this is me telling all of you, regardless of what services you use, please, please, please don't use the same password across accounts. It, it really messes things up, uh, for you. Um, it makes your life less secure if you use the same password across multiple accounts. Otherwise, it's just it's just bad. Um, also, don't use like easy passwords. <laughs> um, if you remember the movie Hackers uh, from like the '90s, there was this joke that was like the top three passwords are love, sex, and God. Um, <laughs> And uh, it turns out that that's not totally off base, even to this day. Uh, there's this interesting little crossword puzzle that Adobe put out once. Um, it's like a crossword puzzle of like the most popular passwords. It's actually pretty entertaining to, to do it. Um, but people often will use the same password over and over and over again. And they'll use really simple ones like password or monkey. Um, <laughs> Don't use these passwords. Use a password manager or come up with a special formula in your brain uh, that you will not forget um, and use different passwords for every single service. It will just make your life easier in the long term. I promise. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what that's what's up with that. Okay. Um, yeah. I know. I know some people got a little freaked out because they were like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Why? What? 
Um, and then, unfortunately, some people decided that it was a really smart idea to reset their password to the same password that was just reset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like they're obviously, uh, they don't care or didn't yeah. read the mail or I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, it's seems, silly. Seems weird. Yes. Yeah, silly. It seems super weird. Seems so. silly. Very silly. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that's what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and then um, last week, I was really excited. So a couple weeks ago, somebody people may have noticed on Twitter uh, that I came out from under the Twitter rock and you know poked my my head out and said, "Oh my God, my website is down. Mm. <laughs> I should that, probably yeah. fix that one day." Um, <laughs> And it took me about, a, like, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, um, that I had moved my blog to Bitbucket. Um, and that seemed to work, except Bitbucket removed the ability to have custom domain names. So, like, I couldn't point my my rckbt.me, which is just rockbot without the bells, uh, URL to my new Bitbucket static site. And that was a deal breaker for me, right? Like I don't want to have to change my URL for everything to rockbot.bitbucket.io. Like that's not, that's a, that's a, that's a deal breaker for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I looked around and tried to find something else. Um, and so I now have an account on GitLab as well. So GitLab is a lot like Bitbucket. It's a lot like GitHub. It's totally open. But now the mm-hmm. difference is that GitLab is 100% open source. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was actually pretty seamless as well. I was able to create a static site. Um, I actually just, all I did was I just changed the remote Git URL on my, on my local machine to point instead of Bitbucket, but to point instead to GitLab. And... I had my site, uh, again, still using Hexo, H-E-X-O. And what's nice about GitLab is that you can use custom domains. And so I was able to point my rickbit.me and boom, I have a website. Yay! Yay. So my website's all up and running again. um, And it's it's been really easy, really easy. So I highly recommend if you're, looking to have a free static site um, with your own custom domain, uh, check out GitLab because I'm so far so good, happy with it. I think it's, uh, again, with GitLab, you have free private repos as well. I think the way that they charge is based on how many, um, it's like minutes of, uh, like they have kind of like their own CI um, continuous integration sort of thing, but it's like, um, so like they charge based on how much continuous integration that you need to use. Now for my site, every time I push a new blog post, it does this continuous integration thing because it needs to like, uh, regenerate everything and then publish it and whatever. And so Mm -hmm. those minutes, you get like a certain number of minutes per month, but given the frequency with which I've been blogging lately, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, so there is a really cool uh, service called Netlify. I don't know if you have uh, heard of heard of it. No, I haven't. Uh, so 
It's uh, basically a service that has specialized on uh, static hosting and <clears throat> and as long as you I think as long as your project uh, like either your app or your website is open source you can use it for free and mm -hmm. they have a super nice integration at least with github i don't know if it also works with gitlab and stuff but it should because it's basically just pulling your stuff from from git right uh mm -hmm. checking checking it out from the from the git server and they also have like like a, a little continuous integration thing because they will also they will pull your stuff pull your code from the from the git repository and then do an install and npm install and you can tell it what kind you know what um, command it should execute in order to build the page mm -hmm. and then which folder to deploy and then it will just do that and whenever and with github at least um, there it implements git hooks that means whenever you push it will automatically uh, start a start a deploy And it has really nice interface and it has built-in HTTPS and for free. And uh, you can also link up your domain there for free. So I, I use hmm. that for, for TinyDraft and, cool. and uh, linked everything up there. And, and it's, really, it's really, really nice. It's really nice because you set it up once and it just like starts working. And also what's cool is something, what I didn't know... Um, What I didn't know was that when you when you then I think was it with branches when you open a branch or was it pull request not sure either of those or both it will actually try to deploy your page uh, your site on a, on like a preview stage kind of area where you can and then will give feedback into the GitHub issue which is which is nice where you can you know it gives you a little red warning or whatever if it doesn't. If it's if it can't deploy that branch and um, yeah things like that, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Definitely recommend. Very cool, cool. I yeah, please link to it in the show notes so I can mm -hmm. take a look at it. Yeah, um, I will do that. So cool, very cool. Technology makes things so easy sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, I also, <laughs> especially when people start. Um, kind of specializing on things. I actually heard an interview with the with two people from Netlify. I don't know if they maybe are just two there. I, I'm not sure, but they were definitely like the founders or something. Um, they were. Where was the interview? It was uh, on a podcast. I think it was the Changelog podcast, and they were talking about um, their idea of. So they came up with a term called the Jamstack, which is, you know, basically in the same vein as the mean stack. You know what the mean stack is, right? Yeah. It's like MongoDB with Express, Express Angular, Angular Node, exactly. Yeah. So there was, there's for a while there was all the there were all these kind of stacks, uh, the hand like abbreviations. I don't know if there were other ones. Uh, I think there were other ones too, but they didn't have nice. Uh, uh, they didn't end up, you know, to have a nice word come out of it or whatever. But anyway, um, so they came up with something called Jamstack, which which um, is the so the abbrevi abbreviation is. JavaScript APIs mark markup, 
stack basically because so what they are trying to promote is because they are a static website hoster or uh, application hoster so they they can they serve um only static uh um only static assets and and the website but of course you can build complete apps with that if you use services for instance there's zero oauth or um they're like database services that you can use in order to build an actual application and uh and but just but basically only de deploy static assets to netlify and they actually built some sort of a proof of concept where um the smashing magazine people talk to them about creating um They talked to them. So Smashing Magazine, they were a little bit frustrated with their setup because they had a WordPress, I think, for their main blog. And then they had a Shopify um, or some other shop thingy for their shop because they also sell books and stuff. And they um, and they, then they had another backend or some other system where they had something else running on. And they were... And they had, um, I think... Yeah, so the Netlify people were at the smashing conference and they gave a talk about the Jamstack and about static sites and and how static site you know can be uh much more performant especially if it's like a content site like a blog but also applications like what what the we're talking about the benefits of that basically and so the smashing magazine people came to them and were asking them so you know how how would a static version of smashing magazine perform to in comparing to uh compared to the uh the current version uh and if they could write something like i think yeah it was about writing an article about that about static sites um static sites and and comparing them to 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 dynamic you know blogs and stuff and um i think And so they wanted to keep it fair. So they said, okay, well, we will do that, and we, but we will compare a static site um, with CDN compared to uh, a WordPress page that is but also completely optimized with all the caching that you can do with uh, WordPress because you, you can get WordPress pages really performant and fast as well. And um, so I think it turned out that the static site was was still definitely uh, more performant, especially for big uh, sites and And then they started working with Smashing Magazine to actually implement the new version of Smashing Magazine. So there's some URL, I think it's called next.smashingmagazine.com, where that where you can um, look at this new version where they they completely so they're using the Jamstack to completely build their systems with microservices and static site hosting. Um, so basically the shop backend, they implemented the shop backend for them with microservices and, um, some, I don't know how the content management works, but yeah, they made a bunch of stuff, uh, did this corporation basically with them, like they just cooperated on it and, um, because it's good for both sides, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so it was a very interesting interview, all the different insights and, How, you know how they built the microservices and and stuff like that and 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 just th th thinking about also thinking about these th this new way of building applications where you have completely distributed 
parts of your application or dif distributed backends, basically, of your applications hanging around in the internet somewhere. Yeah. Cool. So definitely going to link that up. This was interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah totally. Mm. Totally, totally. Totally, yeah. We've been talking about this last time too with uh, <laughs> with handing the, the functions as a service in Lambda, AWS, and the Slack chat was also uh, going off about that stuff. It's... Uh, It's very top of mind currently. This mm. thing. Yeah, it's very it's yeah. very interesting. I think as a backend developer, it's a super interesting thing. The the now you know the Zite people with Guillermo, mm -hmm. they're also totally pushing that with their now service because you can. I think I saw something. Yeah, I saw a microservice. So there's a microservice on GitHub that implements a complete login workflow um you know a login with twitter github facebook mm -hmm. da -da -da, like a bunch of things implements it completely and you can all you need to do in order to test it out or to use it is to do now and then the path of the github repository without even the github domain in front of it just that and it will just deploy it for you on now and give you a url and it's there and you can just go and log in <laughs> with huh. twitter is wow it, yeah it's called login with and um i'll link it up in the show notes it's uh cool. yeah it's very interesting because it's like it's 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 this part of a could be a part of a big website and it's completely uh, uh encapsulated basically in this one thing right And that's also, I think Guillermo also talked about this in various interviews that I listened to in, in various podcasts where he was also promoting this idea of um, building bigger websites or bigger applications with, with these microservices with these that you can, uh, mm. and you can use now for that in, in, um, in combination with this NPM package called micro that will to take care of the HTTP requests that come in. And then um, you, all you need to do is implement your function that, that does something, that talks to a database and delivers some HTML or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's a big thing. It's a big... It's cool. That's uh, really cool. Uh, um, yeah. Ah, technology. Technology. <laughs> Yeah. So, what's going on with you? Or otherwise, nowadays, uh, not too much. I um, I, I just moved last week, so that's why I wasn't on the show last week. Um, we we've you know moved house, and now I'm kind of dealing with uh, it's it's been fun reorganizing my office mm -hmm. at home, right? Mm -hmm. Because like it's it's a different shape of a room. And there were things that I didn't like before, and so now I'm like, okay, how do I how do I optimize my space for what I want? And so it's just been a lot of a lot of that, and um, I finally have a a monitor with my computer now. Like I always had a monitor in my last office, but like it was never hooked up to my computer, so it was, <laughs> it was just a mess. Um, <laughs> so that's always fun. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, so so th that's those little things and you know the internet always it's, it's a it's a it's a gamble with the internet because i'm using the exact same internet service provider uh as my last place i moved about four miles north which is uh, i think i said it was like mm -hmm. five like eight kilometers or something mm -hmm. um whatever um and um 
And then, so it's the same exact provider and it's the same like package, which is like 50 meg uh, or no 50 gig. Yeah. I think it's 50 gig service or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I do, when I check to see like how much is actually coming through the pipe, like it's so much better here than it was in my oh, last house. Like it's yes. the exact same, or it's yeah. the exact same service provider, the exact same package, mm-hmm. and yet I'm getting better internet now. Um, I think it has so. a lot to do with how many people have you know the same service provider in the same area. That's true. You that's know, a good point. That's, that's a good point. What's coming through the big pipe? Yeah, so. yeah, it's the same big pipe, but fewer people. There's like a quarter of the people in my new town as in my last town. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Right. So anyway, so it's been fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm like, uh, I've been taking a, a pretty significant Twitter break, but every once in a while I, I hear about some new things and mm-hmm. I don't know, lately Twitter has been kind of depressing. Um, just with politics, there's a or- whole, um, I've actually like, I think people are just so unenthused by politics these days that they don't even talk about it. <laughs> at least, at least when I, when I pop onto Twitter, uh, once every couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, but lately there's been that whole discussion about, uh, VCs and founders and the relationship between VCs and founders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some gnarly stuff going on there. Um, and, uh, but more relative, relevant to our interests, uh, there is a blog post posted probably today or very recently um, by somebody who worked at GitHub for a year um, mm. and then left and talked about the changes, the so-called changes at GitHub. And, and I think it's um, it's kind of interesting because I think we've been I've been watching GitHub over the last couple of years because of like you know there's just been a lot of um, for lack of a better word, drama. Um, but there's, you know, just like, what is the culture at GitHub like? And what do the people care about? Cause GitHub is central to many of our lives. Like most, most of us, I mean, yeah, I've talked about Bitbucket and GitLab, but most of us, even if we use Bitbucket and GitLab, um, on the side or even as our main thing, uh, GitHub is still a massive part of our lives as developers. And so, I like to think about where, um, where my tools come from. Like, um, you know, people talk about the slow food movement and like, um, I, for for fun, I sew. And so people talk about the slow fashion movement and now I'm kind of thinking about the slow code movement, right? Like where, where does my code come from? And, uh, who are the people writing my code and building my code and giving me my tools and all that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we have to, um, you know, well, I, I think if we really care about our industry, we, sh- we really should put our money where our mouth is, right? Like if people are like, I only want to work at places with good cultures, um, we should also be really careful about how we spend our money. Because if we're giving money to companies that um, are really shitty to its people, then we're basically saying it's okay to be really shitty to people, um, which I don't think is really what we want to say, but it's kind of what we're saying from a consumer's point of view. Um, but anyway, so this one blog post um, talks about how uh, GitHub, GitHub as a company still has some 
work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I do want to point out that this is a single blog post. I have not seen any other blog posts. I've not seen any response from GitHub. And so this is a single point of view, um, which, you know, humans are um, anything but perfect. And so I'm sure there's there's more information than what is simply in this blog post. But that said, this specific blog post is particularly scathing um, about life at GitHub. And um, I don't know, I'm just not I'm just not sure that that's the right place for me if I were to like find a new job. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's no secret that I don't like companies like Uber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just things things to think about. Mm-hmm. Things to think about. Hmm. So do you have anything specific that you can say about this article? Because I didn't read it yet. What is oh, there? um, basically, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for GitHub to get better at how they do management. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, this person said that uh, they had been um, they'd gotten some feedback uh, from their manager about how they were interacting with their coworkers. And so they came up with a plan to improve and and that seemed to be going well. And then at the year review, it turned into it went from, okay, you're doing really well, like you know this is good progress to you're not meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, within a few months was put on a, uh, a PIP, which in managerees is a, a performance improvement plan, um, which there are generally two reasons why a person gets put on a, on a performance improvement plan. Uh, the first one is so that because, you know, the company values uh, that person as an employee and wants to actually see them improve. Like they realize, hey, you're not doing so hot. Um here are the steps that you can take. If you really care, then you will, you know, bust your butt and improve and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, or which I think this is way shittier. Um, they want to fire you, but they need proof that you are not doing a great job. And so performance improvement plan is often used as a scapegoat method to push somebody out. Um, Okay. And that's real crap, uh, but it's pretty common amongst American companies. Uh, I have no idea what it's like outside of the U.S. for these sorts of things. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, anyway, the, the author of the article was put on a performance improvement plan, and uh, despite, according to the person, despite putting in lots of information and journaling about all the things that they've been doing to try to really make a difference and, and do better, uh, was repeatedly told, uh, you're still not performing the way we expect you to. So, and so after three weeks they were fired, um, Mm -hmm. which mm, again, this is one point of view. I'm sure that there are other points of view. Um, but it's, it doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. doesn't look good for GitHub and Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't bom, sound bom. that great. No. <sighs> the sigh. So, anyway, 
So that's what's, that's what's what. Um, I haven't really seen too much else on the internet lately. What's on, what's been on your mind? Uh, um, so I've seen something, I just saw some uh, stuff floating by that I thought was interesting. For instance, there's a company called, I think, I don't know if it's the company is called Twist or is it the, let me just click on this link. Uh, where's the, where's the link? I want the link. Open in your tab. Um, yeah. So, or it, it's a, it's a, so Twist is the, Twist is the application about uh, that they're introducing, and they had a blog post, and that blog post was about um, why they are betting against real-time messaging, and it's a it's a long article about. Okay, so the company is called Doist. Doist. A remote company thinking about more fulfilling ways to work and live. Todoist.com to and twistapp.com. So they, they are the people behind Todoist. And um, yeah, so so they were um, they they wrote this big article about um, the real time messaging and how problematic it is. And they were basically um, saying that they um, adopted Slap, <laughs> Slap, Slack, Slack after evaluating different uh, group chats. And um, after a while of using it, they, they um, found it a little problematic because it's kind of, it kind of, um, they feel it's built for shallow conversation, uh, is not well organized. Um, it's only simulated transparency, is what they're saying. And um, <clears throat> and and uh, yeah, so so they are a company like they're a remote company. I think it said in the uh, description of Doist, yeah, remote company. So they're completely remote, and um, so they have to rely on something like Slack uh, very heavily, and. Um, they are doing all of their kind of all, all their discussions that all discussions that they're having about their products that they're building they are having in in these kind of group chats and um it didn't give them so slack was insufficient for them because it didn't give them the opportunity to really go really deep and have deep long discussions in asynchronous in writing um, without completely losing the threads, basically, right, and losing mm. losing the discussion, like like it would be really hard to get back to things or to find things that people said, um, and so so they um, cr they started building and uh, so they looked around for other applications, didn't f find anything that was better, so they started building their own application, and this application is called Twist. And um, it's built, it goes against the grain of um, what is the hype, which is Slack, basically, right? And it's, it's uh, for comple completely, um, it's uh, completely for asynchronous, mindful, and organized communication. So um, it's basically the, the, how they display, um, how they organize 
um, the, com the, co the, the threads of communication is very much how um, it's similar to, to emails, right? To email conversation threads, but it's not like, e it's not exactly like, e like emails, of course. <clears throat> but um, when you look at the, the screenshot of the app, it looks a little bit like an email application where you have on the left side, you have, you know, some, um, <clears throat> some, th um, subjects with um, little excerpts and then you can click on one and you can get the thread of the conversation and um, so they're saying that they're, those, those conversations uh, are more transparent basically they also removed the uh, status symbol so if you so if you're you know it doesn't say if you're online or not online because this kind of uh, um, stuff kind of can create some weird dynamics where if if you see that somebody's online, you might might expect them to respond right away, and you know it's something that could um, uh, on the other side also create this pressure because they know that and then they feel like they have to respond right away, and if they don't respond, the other person might be angry, or if you're not online, somebody might. Um, decide not to write the message they wanted to write because they feel, oh, they're not online, so I'm going to write them later when they're online or something like that. So it's not really asynchronous. And in Twist, um, you don't see if any if somebody's online. So what you do is that you, you write your message, you take your time, you write your message whenever you want, and um, um, and people respond whenever they can and whenever they want. There's no expectation of instant you know, or responses. Mm -hmm. And also they have a time off um, setting where, where um, you can really take turn, turn it off and, uh, and basically have that also turned on in the application so that no, nothing will, when, when it's your time off, nothing, no messages will come through, no, no, no notifications will come through and stuff like that. So they're going against the grain of, you know, instant, real-time communication and uh, making making a tool that's more supportive for their remote, asynchronous uh, culture where they ha can have their long, you know, mindful, deep discussions about their products and stuff. And um, and it's interesting. They also say that they know that they're going against the grain. It's an uphill battle. It's not something that, that will, you know... Um, they will not uh, uh, explode in the market or whatever with this tool because it's not it's not what people currently want. People want and love, you know, Slack and things like that. So <clears throat> um, they know that, but they made they made the the thing anyway because they need it for themselves and um, and people can can uh, can use it though. There's also there's a like so there's a free thing and some. And an unlimited plan and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I just thought this. Uh, I, I thought this was very interesting. I I, I like things like that, um, and I'm also a fan of remote workers and and the idea of remote working and stuff like that. Even though I don't do it that much because I, mm -hmm. it's not possible at my company, but um, I like when people. Um, do something that is. That brings something brings a sense of calm into the work 
and you know and and kind of organize and, and organizes it organizes the communication like organizes decentralized communication asynchronous communication i like these kind of thoughts it's also <coughs> something that uh base camp is about mm -hmm. a lot and 37 sig signals are talking about a lot <clears throat> it's um it feels it feels like it, to me it feels like something that is just better for humans you know mm -hmm. that work that work like that yeah definitely i mean i'm constantly trying to think about how to improve team communication especially across time zones because we have mm -hmm. we now have two people in europe um as compared to like everybody else who's located in in the US most of whom are on the west coast and so there's that 8 to 9 hour difference time mm -hmm. difference mm -hmm. which means that even even in the best of circumstances in which you know uh, the european contingent starts working in the afternoon and like goes on until nighttime like how do we make it so that it's not it's not bad you know like um because like our european contingent will go to bed while we're still working mm. uh the west coast is still working but then um and so like west coast will continue working and like we'll be putting stuff into slack and all that good stuff and then like west coast will go to sleep and then europe will wake up And they'll be like, oh, hey, there's all this stuff. Well, cool. I'm going to, you know, respond to it and act on it and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But, like, especially if decisions are made without the the European contingent, then, like, the European contingent has zero ability to, like, chime in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because, like, if, especially if it's like, hey, wait a second. No, that, that's a terrible idea. Um But if you're asleep and you can't say that, then <laughs> there's not really much you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so constantly trying to think about that. But it's tricky because it sounds like Twist is another app, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just it's another another thing that you would have to deal with, which I have found that um, like in order to to go like to add one more app into your workflow requires like a significant improvement in your day to day um, to make it worth your while. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we, but we I don't tried, think it works if yeah. you add it. I, I, can't, I can't. Right. Twist can't right. be. Twi Twist would have to substitute Slack. Right. Slack would have to go. Twist would have to come in. Then, then it could it could have a positive impact. If sure. your, if your team can work with that well, but yeah, uh, don't know. yeah. The tricky thing though is that Slack is people love using Slack. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like I think it's one of those things where even if if Twist is is correct, right? Even if if this is like like this is this is going to be the right app for your team, mm -hmm. even if it's definitely better because there isn't enough pain. In Slack, there's very little desire mm -hmm. to lose it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, totally. So yeah. that's it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Humans are yeah. It's interesting. Are, I think um, it's it seems like for 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 the doist company, there was enough pain in Slack, mm -hmm. but and that kind of pertains to how 
they think and learn, uh, uh, think and work basically. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't the right application for them as people, I guess. It's a certain set mm -hmm. of people that, that right. um, had a problem with this type of communication. And so mm -hmm. they built that for themselves. Yeah. Totally. <clears throat> totally. It's very interesting. I find this very interesting. I find this all very <laughs> interesting. Because I, I can imagine, like, we don't, we we have, so we use at work, we use, what do we use? It's called hip, hip chat. Yeah. We, mm -hmm. hip chat. And so it's like a, a shittier version of Slack. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. I used hip chat once upon a time. Yeah. At some point it was, it was all the rage and then Slack came and just took, took the market. And uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So but, I will. Okay. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, um, so a friend of mine works at, uh, at Trello, which recently got purchased by Atlassian, uh -huh. who are the makers of, of Bitbucket and Jira and, and HipChat. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone was like super excited. And then someone was like, so because Atlassian owns us now, we have to get rid of Slack and we have to start using HipChat. And like, apparently there was just an audible like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. was like, wait, yeah, I have to give up no. my GitHub and my Slack, and mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, okay. that's not that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh. well, in in big companies, you end up easy using you know HipChat too because they all use Atlassian products. Mm -hmm. uh, and but yeah, so we use HipChat, but it turns out that for us actually the the amount of stuff so because HipChat is not fun to use there's not a lot of fun stuff going in there you know mm, like there's mm. not, not a lot of the you know gifs or emoji things because that's it's the, the implementation of that is just not very well done and um and for work it's it's it, it it's enough because we don't have extensive discussions in there even though we have some remote uh, team members and, uh, and sometimes I'm in the home office or whatever but um, yeah it's interesting like it doesn't apparently our team doesn't require immense amounts of uh, discussion in the in Slack because there's really a lot where a lot is happening in the office or when people need help then you know they they, they contact you on the Slack when they're not in the office they and, and then you call them or something like that or you do some sort of a screen sharing thing um mm -hmm. yeah interesting like yeah, just like <clears throat> um and then yeah and only have i only have slack open for uh for the 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 user group organization slack that i have where there's we we have like a bunch of uh people that that do javascript user groups and the uh, meetups in in Germany, they're all in the same Slack thing. That's pretty cool because mm -hmm. you can share speakers, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Reactive, and then there's um in in an Angular one. So that's that's why I have Slack, and I also don't use it that much. But I can totally see how if a lot is happening, and sometimes in the Reactive Slack, like it's for me, it's impossible to keep up with with like if there's like a like very enthusiastic kind of discussion going on and there's like hundreds of messages then to keep up with that and and kind of keep get your head around it and maybe there's multiple discussions happening 
then for that, I think if, if, you, if you come in at a later point in time and you need to kind of catch up with everything, this type of organization and Slack is definitely not the, uh, the most ideal. I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have like long discussions with lots of different, you know, points and about, and it's like, it's a product development thing or something like that. I can totally yeah. see that Slack is not necessarily ideal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do it anyway. We figure it out, especially yeah. because we like, uh, at least at NPM, we have a, a general rule of, of no threading. Okay. Uh, because some of our, some folks on our team just don't like it. They're like, this is really confusing. And I always feel a little bit anxious because I haven't read everything. And then all of a sudden there are threads and now I have to go into the threads to read everything on there. And then it's just, Oh my God. Um, so no threads allowed, which means the <laughs> conversations can get real, real overlappy. So do you kind of branch out into channels for things? Yeah. I mean, we, we just basically, anytime something, seems like it's going to be a thing mm-hmm. we just create a brand new project a, a new a new slack channel so like anytime we have a new project i mean because slack channels are free you can have as many as you want right. um so we're just like okay let's just make a new channel for this mm-hmm. um and, and so it, it makes things a lot easier um so i mean let me, let me look i think we've got something like um we have a ridiculous number of channels. Um, we have 153 channels for like a 25 person team. <laughs> and that's not including private channels. That's just like public channels. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I, yeah. Mm. Mm. And then I think we also try really hard if we're going to have like an important conversation, we try to do it as much face to face, which mm-hmm. basically means that we're not as async as I think we would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, that just means that, you know, too bad. You're not as asynchronous as you'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, yeah. Just owning up to it. And not trying to force it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. So. so there was a there was some more discussion on on Twitter about um, about open source projects, uh, big open source projects, mm-hmm. and how exhausting it can be when, uh, mm-hmm. when people chime when people start. Uh, um, well, basically, people like entitlement kind of comes into play because it's a huge it's a huge project and everybody's using it. And then some people seem to think that they're entitled to all kinds of stuff and fixing yeah. of bugs or f- implementing of features, which was mm-hmm. interesting. Sebastian McKenzie from the Babel team um, had a thread on Twitter, mm-hmm. and so he was talking about that. Um, and there were some other people also chiming in from other projects that were basically saying uh, that they they quickly lose the mo- the motivation to work on it uh, mm-hmm. when that happens. As soon as soon as like so, Sebastian Sebastian was talking about uh, Yarn, the package manager, because he's been he's at Facebook now and he's he's. 
he's been working um, on Yarn. And as long as Yarn was uh, private and was an internal tool, it was fun working on it. As soon as it became, as it be as soon as it became um, public and was open source, then mm -hmm. it became not fun anymore to work on this, right. apparently. So yeah, so there's uh, a lot of people who have so, who experienced this, but there was uh, Tom Dale. Interestingly, um, responded, I think sub subtweetingly sub responded to this, <laughs> <laughs> okay, by saying um, that he f he thinks it's interesting that he has a very different experience with his open source work. Uh, he says, trying to figure out why my lived experience in open source is so much different from many others. Um, I get burned out from time to time too, but I feel like I have support, a support structure for dealing with all the haters and losers. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately meeting so many amazing people and feeling like you've made a dent, however small, is a privilege I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. but I don't know like he's talking about Ember obviously and I think Ember might still be considerably smaller than a React or a Babel.js kind of thing mm -hmm. not sure yeah I think I think so I think oh it's tricky right like um, I can I can definitely like okay my life in open source was pretty short lived by comparison to, I think a lot of other people, mm -hmm. um, mostly because I wanted nothing to do with, like, I did not want other people asking me to fix things. And I was like, so like, I, I, I remember putting together a couple of packages and, and, um, some repos and people were like, Oh, this is super cool. And I was like, yeah, it is super cool. And they're like, can you fix this? And I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just, I just, didn't have any time for it. I didn't want to put the time in. I just kind of wanted to do it and let it sit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of came up with like, uh, there was a thing going around for a while that like, if somebody was like, Hey, I want to, here's a pull request that you just kind of like, this was a few years ago, but the idea was if somebody puts in a pull request, that means that they care enough about the project to want it to do well. So just turn them into a maintainer. Um, and then let them kind of take it over. And it means that you can just kind of let your stuff go. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a couple of my repos. And then I realized that like, I don't know, there was just a weird dichotomy pushback in my brain about it because it was like, wait a second, you're playing with like, you're, you're, you're doing all this stuff, but under my name. And that's really weird. Cause yeah. it's like, it's like letting somebody else take control of your car. Mm -hmm. Right. And being like, yeah, no, you can totally have my car, but like if they crash it or they do something bad with it, you're the one who's going to get in trouble. And I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to have to deal with any of this. I don't want. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to abandon these projects. If people want to fork it, cool. Fork away, do your own version. I don't care. Put your name on it. I just, I don't want to be on the receiving end of any of it. Yeah. Um, so I can totally understand why, like, and I think for a lot of these bigger projects like Babel and Ember and et cetera, that people don't always create it with the intention of it becoming really big, mm. right? Like people don't create 
you know what, my dream is to be super duper famous. I'm going to be super duper famous by creating this thing. But they like the thing about fame is that people don't fully understand what it is until they become famous. And then they're like, wow, this is way not what I was expecting it to be. Um, and so if you're not prepared for that, it can be extremely overwhelming. And like, like, I'm not, I'm not saying this as like a famous person, cause I'm not really that famous. Um, but even the little fame that I've enjoyed has been quite overwhelming, mm-hmm. uh, at times. And it's just like, I don't want to have to deal with this. <laughs> so I don't, I, yeah, I think, I think Tom, Tom is right. And then he has a nice support system so he can, you know, do whatever, but like Seb might not have that support system. Not, not quite the same. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't blame him at all. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's interesting because it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, a new phenomenon, I think mm-hmm. a little bit, right. Cause it's, it's definitely yeah. a phenomenon, a phenomenon of our time and our industry and something that's, that's getting worse maybe because we'll have more of those big open source projects and more people who will use stuff and learn coding. And so um, mm-hmm. it seems to be popping up, um, you know, every few months or so that somebody is mm-hmm. getting an account on that. So yeah, we'll see how that develops. <clears throat> totally. Totally. Alrighty. Well, I think, I think our time is wrapping up here. Yes. Um, reached the end of the show, but, uh, we have some new people in the Slack channel. Um, so, uh, shout out to, um, third, to knife. third knife. Yeah. <laughs> Holler. Welcome. Um, and you too, dear listener could be part of our Slack team. If you so chose, um, you can come, you can come in, uh, you can get the invite by clicking on the link in our show notes, um, which you can find at reactive.audio. That's right, and um, you can also leave a, a, a review if you like the show. You'll also find that link in the show notes. And uh, I'm Khalil Tweets, and our missing co-host is Henning uh, is H H Gladagots on Twitter. And I am Rockbot on the Twitters. Um, though honestly, if you want to hang out and chat with me, come into the Slack channel. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you can definitely, you can tweet at all of us at reactive pod, uh, also on the Twitters. So with that, have a wonderful, fantastic day and week and, uh, have some salmon if you're feeling like, you know, <laughs> having something delicious. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> all right. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.